Thank you for tuning in to the Unjiggered Podcast. If you enjoy listening, please consider subscribing and giving us a rating on your podcast service of choice. Also, don't forget to like and tag us on Instagram at unjiggered underscore media. Thank you to everybody for listening, and now on with the show. You're listening to Unjiggered, a bartender podcast where we interview highly successful bartenders about their careers, lives, and the passion of bartending. Our guest this week is Valentino Longo, the head bartender at the Four Seasons Miami and also founder of the Shoshin Art Club, an online learning platform for bartenders. So sit back and enjoy our chat with Valentino. Hello guys, hello Michele. My name is Valentino Longo and I'm the head bartender at the Four Seasons Surfside here in Miami, Florida. And I'm also recently the founder of Shoshin Art Club. Fantastic to have you over, Valentino. Finally, this is my first uh, wireless overseas uh, full-on different continent uh, interview, so I'm excited about that. How are you today? I'm good, Michele. I'm good. Thank you so much. Thank you for asking. So, fantastic. You have quite a lot to talk about. Uh, you had a quite uh, interesting career, so I think uh, we should just g- get straight to it. Uh, so, first of all, uh, where are you from, Valentino? I'm from Rome, uh, Italy. Um, yep. Uh, I was born 30 years ago. <laughs> oh, that's fabulous. Your journey to 30 years old club, I can see from your white beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> For those who can't see, Valentino always had this beautiful black beard and now he's turning white. Yep. A, a sexy, sexy white beard. So <laughs> how was your life in Rome? Did you study something that was bar related? Of course. I Well, my, my sister, she's a chef, so she used to have a restaurant and the same as my grandmother. So I grew up inside the restaurant business. Uh, but um, there was a moment that I clicked and I wanted to open my own coffee shop and basically be able to open my coffee shop. Maybe I was supposed to learn how to make coffee before. So I started to work in this hotel called the Hotel de Russie. That was my very first experience in F&B. And uh, slowly, slowly, I think as everyone, uh, once you step behind the bar, it's very difficult to leave. So there's always something more to learn, something more to learn. So I stayed there for a couple of years before moving to UK. Why coffee? What was it about coffee that triggered you? Well, I don't know. You know, the classic bar um, in Italy that you do breakfast, lunch, and basically aperitivo as well, the all-day bar. So I thought, okay, maybe because you wake up in the morning, you need to start studying coffee, and then the next step is studying cocktail. But I got stopped in coffee somehow. I don't know why. (laughs) I know there's something about action in the coffee machine that's quite empowering, I would say. I don't know Absolutely. what you think. Absolutely. And this is what, it's very mesmerizing, you know. And in Italy, you need to know how to make cappuccino and you need to know how to make an espresso. So those are the basics. Then you need to know maybe how to make a cocktail. But coffees are step number one. So De Rossi is a beautiful hotel. It's close to Piazza del Popolo, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? Correct, yeah, correct. It's close to Piazza del Popolo. Yeah. It's, an, it's an amazing, fantastic uh, hotel. And it has this beautiful cocktail bar, which is mainly in the garden outside. So it's fantastic in the summer. It's called the Jardin, um, the Stravinsky Bar, sorry. And when I started, the team was absolutely, I think, the best team, the best bar team in Italy. It was, uh, Massimo D'Addezio was the leader and he's the one that I consider still my mentor to these days. How was your uh, first experience behind the bar? Like, did it meet your expectations or you had no I was absolutely how horrible. I was horrible. I was a disaster. I, <laughs> I made so many mistakes that still today are on my, on my book of mistakes number one, you know. I, I remember I actually got fired the very first day because 
I that's a funny story, and I had to tell you, Michele, because you know when you start to work as a as a commie, you you don't do eight hours, right? You do nine, ten, twelve hours. And my very first day, I was close to eleven hours, and I asked to go to the bathroom just to to call my my girlfriend. And I decided to sit down on the bar. So I actually sat down on the sofa uh, with the, between the guests and other people. <laughs> and the manager just took my back and threw me in the, in the office. Like, you're now going to leave this place. I'm not going to see you anymore. Then luckily, the place was very busy. So they called me a week after. But that was my <laughs> number one day. <laughs> Can you imagine you have a fresh starter? It's like, oh, I just have going to have a phone call and he just sits on the floor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Valentino. Yeah. And uh, how long did you work there for? I worked for two years. I did my natural steps from a coffee maker to obviously glass glass cleaner, then uh, food runner, then barbec, then commie, and then bartender. But there was basically... Uh, you were doing everything. You were doing bartender, then server, then bartender, then service. You know, very old school. You mentioned the fact that uh, your first mentor was there. What is it that you took from this place that stayed with you for the rest of your career? Uh, definitely team building and hospitality. It was all about team building. I honestly, with you, I probably didn't know the recipes of the cocktail. It, there, there was no specs. You know, everyone was kind of doing the recipes in interpreting as they wanted, right? But the hospitality and the deep building was the rule number one, was the most important things. And people were coming back just for that. So shortly after you decided to leave Rome, what was that? I decided to leave Rome, uh, move to London, obviously to learn English. Uh, the plan was to be only for six months, which is the low season in Italy, and do the high season in London. Then coming back, but I think uh, as a lot of people, uh, London is kind of not letting you leave very easy. So I stayed in London for almost three years, three and, three and a half. And how did you go about moving and finding a job? Hey, it was very challenging, of course. Uh, I was lucky enough to move with another two friends. Um, from We were working from the same place, from the same Hotel de Russie. We didn't know that we were going to London together, but we... Uh, basically saw each other in London after the moving. So we, we took the same home, you know, it was a little bit easier than to go actually alone. And then obviously you have the resumes, things that you need to start to send resumes and CVs around, right? That's probably the hardest part because your English is pretty bad. And how was your English? Was it very bad when you was when very you bad, there? Yes, or is, yes. Yeah. I have another funny story if you want, but <laughs> go for it, please. <laughs> right. So uh, obviously, you start to send email with your resumes and your CVs, and you start to receiving. You know, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you next week. Kind regards, Mister John Brown. And I don't know why I I saw these things, but anyway. I go to the place the next day, which was in Camden Town. It was a tiki place. I was pretty happy about it. I went, I went there like one hour earlier, super excited. I went to the bar and I asked the bar manager, like, hello, I'm Valentino. I am an interview. I'm looking for Mr. Kinderegars. And, <laughs> and, and the guy was like, sorry, for who? And I even print the email because I was professional, you know. So I print the email. He's here, Mr. Kind Regards. And the guy was like, start to laughing. He was like, yeah, they're going to call you back tomorrow. Just wait. 
and they never called me, of course. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, anyway, that was me, oh, basically. <laughs> there you have it. And how did that go? Like, because you landed a quite good job, haven't you? So, like, yes, um, uh, I've been always very lucky, Michele. I was lucky enough to get an interview at the Corinthia Hotel, which was just open, um, and where Mario Lapietro was working there. And I knew Mario from from Italy um, in terms of like you know uh, respect as a bartender. I I didn't knew him, but I knew him as a bartender. And I was lucky enough to work in the same place where he used to work. And I stayed in the Corinthia Hotel in the Nortol Bar, which was a, basically uh, only a gym bar. Amazing experience for me. And I start to learn, you know, I start to go to school for English and understanding more the the English clientele. And I stayed there for one year. So at this stage, you have predominantly had the chance to work in hotel bars. Was it something about hotel bars that you liked or was it just a coincidence? I think in the beginning it was a coincidence uh, because I was looking also for regular, uh, you know, uh, street bar and I got the job in the hotel bar. But for me, hotel bar is very fascinating. I, I love the hotel bar. I love the fact to put a jacket or a uniform. I love the fact that the guest can be your guest for the next two, three days, you know, they can come back and they know your name and you kind of building the relationship between you and them for the next couple of days, you know. Um, and also, I, I don't know why, but I found very sexy the ability to close the room, in the, the check in the room, or to know the name of the person straight away. I, I like this. It's, it's very fascinating for me, Hotel Bar. Cool. So the next job after the Corinthia is actually one of my favorite hotels. I actually had a bet when I moved to London, like one of the guys that I went with, uh, me and him had a bet uh, that I would get a job at the Savoy and he would get a job in the place where you ended up. And I eventually ended up winning that bet. But also, <laughs> would you like to tell me what place is that? Yes, there was the one day I was working behind the bar at the Corinthia. These three gentlemen approached me on the bar and they started to drinking. And, you know, as a, a young Italian, I was very full of energy, uh, energy. So I was working around, cleaning the table, cleaning that, and making cocktails and serving coffees. I was doing everything. And these three guys were, I think, fascinated about my being very fast. <laughs> and they told me, well, we are here shopping for bartenders. If you like to come for an interview, this is the place. Come the next day. And I didn't know the, the place very well. So I obviously did my research and I asked my colleague. And that was the Ritz Hotel. Uh, which then I end up working there and probably is one of the best experiences that I had in my life. Tell us about the Ritz, because it's a very small bar, the Rivoli bar, isn't it? Yeah, the Ritz bar is super small. It's only one station. Uh, you're always working alone. There is no barbecue. The barbecue is like two floors down and you uh, relate with the barbecue, the barbecue through, through an elevator and, and a phone. And so you're alone. You're right there by yourself. And it's amazing because... I think for me, what was really important was obviously the high standards, uh, the standards, the LQA standards that you need to achieve with every client, uh, team building, uh, you know, meetings every week. You had two, three meetings. You have different uh, schools. You have tasting. That was for me the, the things that I loved the most because I took this job, especially in London as a school. You know, I wanted to learn more and more and more. And the Ritz was giving to me what I was looking for somewhere else. You know what I mean? Was it like quite strict? Because it looks like a very formal place. Isn't yeah. It? I yes. know they've relaxed recently, but... Yeah, in the beginning it was very straight. Yeah, well, obviously, you know, no beer, uh, standards, cocktail needs to taste, everyone the same, same garnish, same way, how you put the glass toward the guests, you know, those little details that they're 
extremely important when you absorb them, right? So you don't think about it. Do you think that uh, it gave you like more shape as a place? Definitely, definitely, definitely. It, it made the bartender that I am today, for sure. Cool. And uh, that was, a, what, a year experience for you? Yes, one year experience as a bartender. And then I moved uh, to this, uh, my very first street bar, funny enough. Uh, I went to drink in this place a couple of months before and I felt so much in love about the person that was behind the bar, the bar actually, and then the bar in general because it was a Japanese-inspired cocktail bar called the Bamboo at the Red Bar. The bar manager was Ladislav Pilar uh, at that time and uh, he's the king of hospitality. He's the number one. He's the person that makes you feel in love about everything he does. So I, I joined the team with him and I stayed over there for one year. Uh, we had so much fun together. We changed cocktail menu. And we in that time, we had the biggest selection of Japanese whiskey in Europe, I believe. Yeah, that uh, is a legendary whiskey selection, is it? That eventually moved places once bamboo came to a tragic end. Correct, yes. Then became sexy fish. So bamboo is such an iconic place uh, for the time, uh, considering the budget that they had it performed extremely well uh, also on a global stage uh, what was the ethos behind it and how did you guys go about shaping it into what it was because there was a concept it was a very strict concept Michele uh, everyone knew what was the goal and everyone knew what they were supposed to do right so Japanese selection whiskey Japanese selection was obviously the main thing so from there, you move forward and you create a cocktail menu inspired by Japan, you know. And then probably the technique that you're using behind the bar are inspired by Japan or by the Japanese bartenders. But what was the most important things for me was that Ladislav was able to, to give um, a special role to each of the team members. So everyone was in charge of something and everyone was taking the pride to work in that place, right? So it was not just about making a cocktail, but it was about everything around being a bartender and being a, a team player. Uh, obviously, cocktails were super delicious. I mean, when you work with Hakusho 18 as your house whiskey, how can be done wrong, right? <laughs> But I think that was the main part. That was the most important things. And they make me understand much more the team building, which make me understand much more the love for the technique, of course, because you are inspired by the Japanese technique. So ice and shaking and knife and garnishes and etc. etc. Uh, but that was the, 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 the most important things that they took from that place. What would you say, so there is, for those who don't know, one of the reasons why Bamboo Bar was quite popular, apart from the obviously love for Japanese whiskey, was this uh, clandestine evenings. <laughs> yes. Like, so, like, obviously, like, they were industry nights. Is this a correct way of saying? I believe it was one of, one of the first very guest, guest bartending that uh, nowadays is extremely famous, right? Uh, they used to invite local bartenders uh, based in London and also based in Europe to do one clandestine. So it was, um, I believe it was a, a, an event that no one really knows about. It was just like word to word, you know, passaparola, as we say in Italy. And uh, it was only by invite. And you were doing uh, this guest bartending where the bartender was creating a special menu for the night, obviously inspired by Japan and their style. And uh, it was a super, super fun event. I think the, the, my very first day when I started, there was a clandestine from... Uh, uh, Mario La Pietra, fun enough. There is more word, eh? 
Yes. Then people like, you know, Stanislav, Paterna, they did the guest bartending. Um, Dead Rabbit, you know, Jack McGarry did the guest bartending. So big, big names. Was a great way to, for you to connect to the industry as well, wasn't it? For sure, for sure, Michele. And not also that, but you were able to see a different bartender that you never saw before working behind the bar. Because obviously, uh, taking, for example, Jack McGarry, which that year won Bartender of the Year and Dead Rabbit won number one. Uh, 50 best bar you were able to see someone that you know otherwise you need to travel to 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 new york to see him working behind the bar and he has a very special technique working with two jiggers you know having uh, two shakers which is something that us english bartenders we don't really see that uh, very often we not used to see that very often you know shaking with two shakers or two jiggers on your hand so for me it was uh, it was extremely important to see other people working and get inspired by them and uh, trying to learn as much as I can in one night. Also in cocktail-wise, you know, uh, you were able to see different cocktails and different recipes, different ingredients. You, you probably had your fair share of guest bartending shifts. I mean, uh, the very last time we saw each other was during uh, such event. And uh, do you see any difference in between the guest shifts that you guys hosted back then and the guest shifts that you see now. Do you see any striking differences or is it just a natural evolution of the concept itself? I think it's a natural evolution of the concept. I think what's happening right now, it's um, it's a little bit more interesting in terms of guest bartending, uh, especially because, well, now you're able really to have a bartender from the other side of the world travel to your place, right? So we're talking about maybe a Japanese bartender or Australia or... Um, from Miami, <laughs> but uh, you really be able to see much more than before, and especially if you are the master class in it, you're able to know more about the place, more about the person, more about their concept, and having uh, this all day interaction of one to one with that guy, you know, so it's like an immersive one day of training uh, for you and for your bar team. That's what I'm taking from guest bartending today's. Uh, obviously. Also, regular guests are getting more in, interested about it. You know, people that they're not in the bar industry, they're getting more interested to to know other bartenders from around the world. So they actually start to participating in guest bartending as well, and they think that's that's cool. You know, that's what our industry needs: gets the word out and get people that maybe a couple of years ago they were focused only on chef to get them focused on also on bartending and mixologies. Fabulous. So shortly after Bamboo Bar, did you see the closing of it? I did, did not. Did you no, see it no, no. It did close eventually, didn't it, though? Yeah, it changed from the Bamboo, it became the House of Hall. And then uh, after, I believe, one year, they decided to shut down. So cool. After that uh, Bamboo Bar experience, you now find yourself in a situation where you had to go back home, if I'm not mistaken. Correct, yes. I took the decision to go back home to stay close with my family uh, and also because my current wife, uh, girlfriend at that time, Georgia, she moved back to Rome to open a very important cocktail bar called Coso, Cocktail and Social, with Massimo D'Addezio. You know, it's always the same circle. Um, so we decide, I decided to move back to Rome. Uh, obviously, it was quite difficult in the beginning because you were coming back from a big city like London and... Uh, uh, Rome st still, you know, uh, evolving in terms of bar industry. Uh, but I was lucky enough to work in a place where they gave me a lot of freedom, uh, called La Moderna, which was a very interesting music, 
uh, another street bar, but it was a very interesting music concept, uh, cocktail bar, and really good traditional Roman food. Uh, so I had a lot of fun by doing guest bartending, by doing music event, by doing a concert, uh, not concert, but like live musics. And uh, we host some uh, cocktail competition. So I was having a lot of fun and uh, I started to travel more between Italy and get to know more the bar industry in Rome and, uh, and in Italy in general. Do you, so you're talking about Rome, uh, I think in the day you didn't have a, a huge amount of cocktail bars like you have today in Rome? Correct, yes, there were, there were very few. So how was the scene compared when you were there to like where it is right now? Well, I think what happened before um, that uh, investors and bar owners, they didn't really understand bartenders or mixologists a lot. You know, they didn't want to invest a lot with them. They were obviously investing more money in chefs, on kitchen equipments, or you know, food in general. And slowly, slowly, you know, thanks to uh, people like Bar Giornale or Blue Blazers, you know, they started to understand that bartender is it's 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 important. Bartending can dive people. Bartending can uh, bring guests on your bar, and especially if you're winning award, you know. And they start to invest more in bartenders. So. Today's we see um, today we see bars uh, obviously like Drink Kong or Freni Frizioni or Baccano or Chapter etc etc that they are they investing they invest a lot in bartenders they invest a lot of money in bar management in bar concepts in bar program and this is why our industry is evolving but we are the same people as before right it's the same bartenders as three or four or five years ago. It just, I believe, uh, investors and ownerships and uh, management, they start to understand more the bar industry. I believe uh, it. It puts us in a great spot, doesn't it? Correct, yes. Cool. Um, the Moderna obviously was uh, a great project and uh, it, it expanded towards the US. Uh, how was your experience into opening a place in a country where you have never been? Uh, definitely not easy, especially because I was coming from an English concept, then moved to an Italian concept. So I had this blend of, you know, English bartending and Italian bartending and coming to America, especially Miami, which is not America, it's Miami. <laughs> it's a completely different world, you know. Uh, in Miami, drinks are more, probably more boozy, more vodka forward. People like to have much more fun in the bar, so it's less... You want to have this um, still very elegant serving, but more easygoing, right? You want to have a different interaction with the guests. You're never going to say very good evening, welcome to the bar. You're going to say, hey, what's up? What can I get you? You know, uh, it's a completely different state of mind, which took me a while to understand that. Uh, when we moved, I, I moved to Miami to open La Moderna in Miami. And then I was doing back and forward for, uh, for a few months. And uh, when I was doing back and forward, I was, you know, evolving and changing slowly, slowly. Moderna Miami was an exciting, beautiful concept. It was my very first bar opening from scratch. So actually deciding, you know, the bar, uh, the bar counter, you know, the, the tools and the ice machine, you know, stuff that we like to do. And uh, also creating a cocktail menu, bar program and uh, the bar team. So that was very fascinating with me. Um, I had obviously a lot of help. Thanks to people like Rusty came for three months to help for the opening and many other guys. Uh, but then I, I really start to understand better Miami and I decided to move in America. I decided to move in Miami. How was the transition for you? 
because it's quite far away from home, but uh, I'm sure Miami holds its appeal. So how, how did you go about it? was good because obviously I moved with my wife. So it was, uh, you know, it's always easy when you're moving too. Um, not easy in the beginning because especially uh, visa-wise, you know, um, she couldn't work and I could work only for La Moderna. So you need to understand uh, legislations which are completely different world here in America, right? So it's all about visa, it's all about legality and et cetera, et cetera. So it is take you... Take you a good amount of hours to understand better that. So that was probably the most challenging part. And then the second challenging part was to understand better your guest and to evolve your bartending skill to the guest in front of you, right? For example, here, the martini used to be previously uh, mainly shaking, right? Where in Italy and Europe we do stir, right? Uh, also evolving ounces to milliliters was a completely different world for me. So obviously you need to adapt. Uh, you need to be open-minded enough to be able to change your style and not be so stiff. Uh, no, I'm only using milliliters. I'm only still in the martini. Otherwise you're going to fail. So you need to be open to, to understand the guests in front of you and adapt yourself with them. And then slowly, slowly they will change. You know, nowadays I'm stirring my martini, of course, but it's a it's a long evolution. You know, you need to first understand your guest, let them drink what they like to drink, and then you you move them to what you like to make. I don't know if that makes sense, but no, no, it does, it does. And have you noticed the different apart from the regional differences in how drinks are made and sizes? I'm assuming. Have you noticed the difference in like palate as well? Yes, of course. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's it's less flavor and more sweet and more booze. I think those are the key. That's why uh, vodka is predominant. Well, uh, you know, but this is uh, something, it, it used to be like this, I would say, when I first arrived to Miami. Uh, but nowadays, talking about four years after, four years later, uh, it's completely changed. Our best-selling cocktail is a Negroni, um, you know, uh, fun enough. And so people are evolving. People are changing. The palate is changing, especially because it's much easier to travel. They travel all around the world. In cities like New York or San Francisco, Chicago, you'll find an amazing cocktails bar, which they are built on low ABV, which they are built on aperitif, or like Dante. Or, for example, if you see Nomad, you know, they're super interesting cocktails. So people are starting to see that much more and more and more and more. And they're coming back with the luggage of knowledge, asking uh, your bar cocktails that they might have sold somewhere else, you know. So it's evolving, it's different. But I would say Furiatsuru was definitely vodka and sweet, yes. That was probably the traumatizing part for me. <laughs> <laughs> Shaking a sweet martini, that's... Uh... Yes. <laughs> Well, martini was not martini. Martini can be a passion fruit martini or lychee or chocolate or anything. That's a martini. There you have it. Cool. So, so you had your shock, but you hope in your place. Uh, turns out to f function quite well. But then at some point, your working relationship with La Moderna came to an end. Uh, Correct. Why was that? So there was, a, I would say, one year and a half later, uh, they, La Moderna in Rome was not doing so well. So they asked me to go back to Rome. And I took the, the decision to say no uh, because we we were comfortable in Miami. We liked the city, we liked the country. So we decided to stay here. And obviously that meaning um, that I was becoming jobless. Uh, I was saying no to the job that I was having. So means also no visa. So means that you need to, you know, uh, challenge yourself and start from zero again. 
with Georgia, we didn't really know where to go. We started to look around and start to send some curriculum around, uh, but you know, nothing was really appearing. So we were maybe decide to come back to Italy and then move somewhere else. Anyway, I decided to take some time for myself and I decided to go in Japan for one month alone. Uh, Japan was obviously the first step that I wanted to go uh, because I used to work in a Japanese place because I was very fascinated. I'm still very fascinated about the country as all the bartenders, I believe. Uh, but I was uh, lucky enough to have the chance to go there for one month completely alone and that really helped me to understand what I really like to do, you know, that bartending for me is the most important things. In La Moderna, I used to be bar manager, so means managing different things, means uh, managing a team, managing numbers, and this is something that I, obviously, uh, I like to do, I know how to do, but it's not my number one choice, you know, I like to be behind the bar, I like to have a relationship with the guest, I like to creating a cocktail menu, so I decided to do a step back and to... Um, looking for a bartender or head bartender job. Uh, while I was in Japan, again, lucky enough, I got a call from the Four Seasons, uh, which they were just opening. So I did an interview with them. Then as soon as I got back to Miami, I did a, another interview. I saw the place, which was nothing was building. And then I, a couple of months later, I got the job. I got the new visa, uh, which is extremely difficult. And then I started to work in this place, which now it's four years. Three years, sorry, three years enough that I'm with there. I'm the head bartender and I'm extremely happy. You know, they give me a lot of freedom, a lot of possibilities, traveling the world with them, doing guest bartending all around. We launch uh, three cocktail menus. We're doing monthly guest bartending. So it's, uh, I think it's important, Miguel, to really understand what's, what do you like to do? What's your, what's your goal? You know, what, what's your real passion? And sometimes you really need a break to understand that because you you don't see that if you are in the same work every single day in the same place every single day you don't really see that you need to do a step far you know to see what's your world and that trip really helped me to understand that so in a way the fact that you find yourself in this difficult position meaning being unemployed and in need of a visa you think that sort of helped you shape yourself in, in a better of course. way or? yes it, it, it does make you stronger and it does make you, you know, uh, more focused on your goal and really like how can I achieve my goal. And they think, for example, lockdown and COVID, there was uh, exactly the same feeling. You know, during lockdown, we were all going depression. We were all asking ourselves what I'm going to do uh, if I'm not going to have a job. Maybe I need to find another job. Maybe I'm not going to be a bartender anymore. So, you know, uh, it's important to think about it and to, you know, to really understand, you know, what's my passion, what I like to do. And the, uh, again, you know, everything happened again with me in lockdown as well. So how did uh, your uh, experience in Japan go? Uh, do you have some highlights to share with us? Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, everything. <laughs> it's extremely difficult to highlight few few points. But as soon as you, you land in the, in the country, you understand that they're there for you. And doesn't matter... Uh, where you go, what you do, if it's a taxi driver, if it's a restaurant, if it's a bartender, or if it's a, a McDonald's guy, they they're there for you. They want to give you the best that they have in their hands. Doesn't matter if they're rich or they're poor, they're going to give you always the best. And this is definitely the number one. Then, obviously, talking about NER, they're talking about bartending, 
come on you know it's it's really like th there are guys working 50 or 60 years behind the bar and maybe they're still barbecue because the bartender is still there making the cocktails you know and so it's a completely different state of mind or there are bar only focus on highball or there are bar only focus on the quality of the eyes so only on the martini you know they're they have one focus and this is it that's it what I love about Japan is uh, the small uh, two-handed gestures, which they mean like you have my undivided attention for this Correct. short period of time or this interaction, which I find fascinating, you know? They're humble, you know? I'm here, I'm very humble, I'm here for you, tell me what you need and I'll make it happen, you know? This is, I think, is the, especially from bartending point of view, right? This is Japan. And uh, I, I, I was lucky enough to travel from north to south, and it's not just in Tokyo, you know. If, if you go into uh, Sapporo, which is the northest part in Hokkaido, it's the same. It's a different hospitality, but it, go, it all goes around the importance of who is in front of you. That's fabulous. So talk to us about the, this uh, four-season opportunity you had. Uh, what was the bar you worked in? What was the concept, and how did you guys develop it? So the concept was called Le Sirenuse. Uh, Le Sirenuse was a boutique hotel in, uh, still a boutique hotel in Amalfi Coast in Positano, and uh, we uh, the first season basically got the concept out of Le Sirenuse, and uh, everything that we built from glasswares, from plates, from food, from cocktails was uh, a, a South Italian inspired. So chef is Italian, is from um, Calabria. Uh, me as a head bartender from Italy. So we build a concept around that. And for me, it was a, extremely fascinating because we decided to do a, a collaboration between um, being inspired by Italy by using maybe some local ingredients, uh, you know, such as uh, tropical fruits or local honey, you know, etc., etc. Uh, but trying to, you know, link the place where you are because obviously we are Le Sirenus in Miami to Le Sirenus in Positano. So that was the, the fun part for me of working around that. We create a beautiful cocktail menu called Amore Eterno, uh, which means uh, the eternal love, which we flew to Positano with a videographer. We choose uh, seven different characters from a lemon producer, a flower producer, a pasta producer, or musicians, and we create cocktails uh, dedicated to them, dedicated to their land and to people that they care about what they're doing, you know, and that's why it's called Amore, Amore Eterno. Uh, then during COVID, uh, unfortunately, the relationship uh, break down and now uh, it's not more Le Sirenuse. Uh, we are still a four-season bar, so we are working on the new concept. But, you know, I feel lucky enough because we're still uh, the same team. We still be able as, as, as a team to work on the new concept, to create new things. So with everything happening around, uh, you know, um, obviously I was very sad in the beginning because we put a lot of effort in it. But I'm also very lucky and very happy to still have a job, you know. So talking about uh, the U.S. and COVID, U.S. is such a big uh, country and each state reacted uh, differently at a different stage. How did was the situation in Miami and how did it evolve? Yeah, Miami, I believe, was the last one to close and the first one to reopen. Uh, it was very strange, the situation here. Uh, during the lockdown, I would say everything was closed, you know, as the rest of the world, uh, pool and beach and parks. But um, it was probably slightly better to pass the lockdown in Miami than in a cold city uh, because, you know, you're still able to, to get your kayak and go on the beach. Uh, but it was 
very hard few months. Uh, you know, you you able to stay home, which is something that as a bartender we never been to. <laughs> you probably don't know where my stuff is in my house. Uh, your luggage is always ready. Uh, but was I was I think it was funny. I was needed to recap and. Uh, Lucky, especially in Miami, we, we got back in our... I mean, we opened the bar and the food and beverage in the end of July. So I got back to work in the end of July. And still today we are open. So um, the situation obviously is very weird because the rest of the world is just is shutting down and we're still here making drinks. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future, honestly. Yeah, we don't know. And that's, uh, that's the whole situation, right? Which... Uh brings it back to like some of the ways that people reinvented themselves during this crisis. Correct. Which leads nicely to what uh, did you reinvent yourself as during this uh, crisis? Would you like to tell us like, yes. what kind so, of projects you come up with? Because Valentino is always uh, very lucky. <laughs> I won a cocktail competition uh, right before lockdown called The Most Imaginative Bartending, uh, sponsored by Bombay Sapphire, uh, which was a national competition. And after one year of competing that, I won and I was nominated the winner in Chicago. And be able to win the competition, uh, you had a creative ground of $30,000, which you can use it for the creative project that you you brought during the competition. And I, my creative project was to open a physical members club for the local industry. So a place where you can, you know, like a WeWork style where you can sit down, have a coffee, see a masterclass. Maybe there were some guest bartending. Uh, maybe there were classes from a honey producer, a photographer, etc., etc. Uh, but a place where basically it was sharing the knowledge from other people to the bar industry. And that was supposed to be. And then I was already looking for locations and where to open that here in Miami and then uh, evolve that in different cities. Uh, obviously, lockdown came. Uh, and thanks to lockdown, I believe, thanks to COVID, we evolved the idea, uh, George and I, and we decided to do this platform in a sort of an online platform. So uh, we were inspired by, you know, um, watching live call and masterclasses and live classes. So we decided to do, why don't we do a sort of a platform where you can watch classes from bartender that I consider mentor in myself and to share their knowledge to the rest of the world. Uh, so this is uh, the beginning of Shoshin Heart Club, which, uh, you know, obviously comes from a Japanese word, which means beginner's mind. And, uh, you know, I truly believe in the word beginner's mind, which is a word that I discovered during my trip in Japan and that you really need to have a beginner's mind, Michele, you know. Uh, you really, I, I don't want to sound like uh, a, a yoga teacher, but, but, it's, it's a, but it's extremely true. And I truly believe in that, you know, if you are with the state of mind that every single day you learn something new, uh, believe me, it's going to open so many doors for you. Uh, funny now, you know, dur during lockdown, I learned how, I mean, my wife learned how to open a website and I learned how to take videos, interview. So I learned videography together with photography, uh, which was extremely fun, but also extremely challenging, right? Uh, and then after six months, we opened the website, uh, one month ago, actually, and uh, it's doing extremely well. Uh, I, I mean, you're, uh, I don't know if we should tell, but maybe yes, you, Mikael is going to be teaching a class to all of us in the platform. And thank you so much for doing that. You know, it's an honor. Thank but you it's, for the opportunity. It, 
it's really it's really the idea is really to share the knowledge that people that I've been working with or I saw in guest bartending and I am fascinated by uh, they will share their knowledge to the rest of the world so everyone you know can see that and everyone can be inspired by it and everyone can really understand that the bar industry is much more than just you know creating a cocktail by its body language it's leading a team its concept is you know many more things how did you go about filming it because you, it, it's difficult to travel in these times and you span across uh, several countries Correct. So uh, obviously I had a partner of mine, which is, <laughs> we always going back on the circle, <laughs> which is Ladisla Pilar, uh, which used to be my bar manager at the Bamboo. And uh, because he's a very beginner's mind guy, uh, he also learned videography during lockdown. So we decided to collaborate in this project together. So he took care of uh, shooting the people in UK. Uh, you know, he went to London to shoot Agostino, Eric, uh, Marian, then Edinburgh and Scotland. And I took care of shooting um, uh, US-based bartenders like Julio Cabrera or Julio Bermejo from the Tommy's restaurant or Kevin from PCH in San Francisco, Daniele Dalla Paola here in Miami. So I took care of Miami and he took care of UK. Then when uh, lockdown is going to be over, we hopefully going to be able to travel together in other destinations. It sounds exciting. I can't wait to see. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so how was to launch a completely different business to what you're used to? Like, how did you go about it? Because it's very much like what your business is about, right? Being open-minded and trying something new. Correct. It's definitely very challenging. Uh, and there are things like social media and PR, there are things that as a bartender you never touch, you know, uh, there is always someone taking care of social media for your bar. But, you know, I think the most challenging part was really to creating a team with their strength. Uh, we are a team of four people and everyone has his own role and uh, everyone is in charge of something, you know, which is, I think that's the most important things. So there is a, a obviously a website developer, there is a social media, there is a, a number person, you know, there is a creating guy. So everyone is taking care of their own things, which is the most important things. But, but it was very challenging because it's a new world and you're communicating at different things through a different platform to your people, you know. So... Um, it's, it's evolving, you know, we, it's one month that we launch and every day there is some different challenges. Every day you're adding something new, every day you have new ideas. But Shoshini, you know, doesn't want to be only an online platform, it wants to be only also a physical place. Uh, for example, next week we're going to do a, a physical art show where we're showcasing um, photography from photographers that they're actually bartenders. So it's going to be a physical showroom where bartenders are going to show their pictures, their photos, and powered by Shoshin and obviously uh, Bombay Sapphire. So this is also Shoshin. So it's, it's a way to share uh, the knowledge of the bartending around the world. It's a way to share the artists. We, we are artists, Michele, you know. Uh, we have to say that, you know, even if it's... I mean, you were doing knife cleaning the other day you know that's an art it's a form of art you know so ice sharp uh, ice shaving uh, uh, knife sharpening uh, team building creating cocktails that's a form of art so my platform wants really to share that with everyone that sounds amazing so do you think you will branch out outside bartending in your platform or you think oh. you'll stay within that ecosystem i think it's going to be focused on food and beverage 
but obviously there are courses like honey or tea or photography that can be really be you know good for for everyone also for non fmbb people i mean the class from derek which is management you know it's really amazing just as a leader point of view just to watch that that sounds great so what does the future hold for you now like uh, obviously the four season take the lion's share of your attention yeah will are you looking forward to starting to travel again Yes, uh, I think my main focus is going to be directing to Shoshin and to expand the platform and hopefully to find the physical place. And then um, still working on the fourth season, obviously still giving my 100%. And while, uh, you know, we don't really have a concept, I'm going to get more focus on Shoshin and then, then we'll see. Valentino, it was very, very cool to chat to you. I think it's time to ask uh, the final question which is, if you could choose your very last drink, what would that drink be? <laughs> I like that. I like, I'm very fascinated how, how the people are answering this during your, your, your <laughs> chats. Um, I, will say, I will say it's uh, definitely a gin martini. With a, uh, would, a you sh- would you shake Gibson. it? I will check it, yes, and put some olive juice <laughs> in it. Very, very cool uh, chat. (laughs) Looking forward to hear more about your platform and uh, thank you very much for your time, Valentino. All right, Michele, thank you so much for letting me be part of this project. We hope you enjoyed our chat with Valentino. We are unjiggered underscore media on Instagram and you can follow our personal accounts at mmariotti89 for Michele, Alex J. Murphy for myself and Adrian Bessa for Adrian. Thank you for listening.